Welcome to a different door. Uh, I know for some of you, this is your first time here, or maybe it's your first time listening. Um, A different door is a different kind of worship experience here at Grace Avenue, um, where every week in place of a traditional sermon, um, we have a conversation, uh, a discussion um, about the scripture and about what's going on in the world. um, And we just try to provide a little bit more nuance in the midst of those conversations. Um, This morning, we are starting a new idea. And that new idea is, um, how do you love God? And we're going to be answering the question over the next few weeks of how do you love God? But we're going to start this week with, how do you love God with your brain? How do you love God with your mind? So I just want to open that up uh, for me and for Laura this morning. How do you love God with our mind, right? What does that even mean? What does that look like? Mm. Well, I just want to go, because... In my faith tradition that I grew up with, it was uh, discouraged to uh, use your mind sometimes. Um, And it was very common to ask us to check our brain at the doors. Um, And that was one of the reasons that led me to uh, the Methodist church because there was, okay, very specific reason. Um, I can't remember the TV show. Oh, it was Psych. Do y'all know that show Psych? I like that show. in psych, he's a little boy, and he's having all these questions and doubts, and so he, of course, walks into a church where the pastor's just, like, chilling out in the sanctuary, which happens all the time. <laughs> That's a joke, because we don't just chill out in the sanctuary. <laughs> um, and he's asking the Methodist minister, you know, can I use, can I think, and can I have doubts? And the Methodist minister says, "That's what." That's what we're here for, to question, to doubt, to dig, to wrestle with our faith. Wrestling with our faith and using our minds is, is good. Hmm. And I remember being like, what are these Methodists all about? I kind of like them. I want to check them out. <laughs> so what you're saying is Psych was a great evangelism tool it for was, you? It was. It was. <laughs> we'll have to send the creator of Psych a thank you now. <laughs> Making disciples of Christ any way we can. <laughs> Well, and that's, that's one of the things that I love about our Methodist tradition is that reminder to use your brain. Um, we have in our um, denomination a tool that we use that helps us to center this ideology. We call it the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Um, and it has four pieces to it, right? Scripture is primary. That's how we understand and know God. But then we also understand God through our own reason, right? Our mind, our own experience, right? Our life that we have lived. And then the traditions of the church, right, through creeds and through um, the stories and things that we tell. And so um, I I was always taught it as a quadrilateral, and then I went to seminary, and I had a a very good Wesleyan professor who said, well, no, it's actually a three-legged stool, right, with scripture up at the top, and then you have experience, tradition, and reason supporting Mm -hmm. that ideology. Yeah, and they illuminate, can I say, illumine, illuminate, um, scripture by using the experience we feel with God by using our mind and other texts to look through the lens of scripture and using tradition and I have to say um, from m- m- growing up and then deconstructing um, this idea that you can't trust your own mind because it's corrupted by sin um, that's what I was taught Um, I really wanted to throw away two of those. I wanted to throw away tradition, and I wanted to throw away scripture. 
um, because it was used to harm me. Um, and so I just wanted to throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> all right, just throw a chunk it all out. I'm just going to use my experience, and that is how I know God. And then I went to seminary again, and um, I started looking at Scripture and finally, I think, started looking at through those lenses of reason experience. And then I was kind of like, I'm not sure about tradition, but we'll kind of check into it a little bit. <laughs> um, and I was able to reclaim scripture. Because for me, since it had been used as a tool for harm, I didn't know that I could ever reclaim it again. Mm. But because of the quadrilateral, because of being taught um, the Wesleyan way that it is okay to use our minds, I was able to look at scripture differently and wrestle with it instead of um, feeling like I had to just swallow all of it whole and never question. Well, let's use that transition to dive into scripture this morning. We're going to be in the book of Philippians. We're in chapter two, um, and we are looking at verses one through 11. If then... There is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others." Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I think it's, um, we take this now for some folks, new tool, and we apply it to what we just read, right? Now we can read the scripture and we can say, well, that was lovely. (laughs) Or we can read it through tradition, And one of the things that tradition teaches us is that the verses 5 all the way to 11 are actually a hymn. They're a hymn that was probably sung in the early churches. And that Paul has placed this hymn in here, right, to make a point. And part of the point he's trying to make is that the Philippians were really struggling with who they are and how they were treating one another. And so he's reminding them through something that's very familiar to them of the way in which they're supposed to live their lives both to others and to one another, right? And so we know that there's a tradition. We know the tradition of a hymn. If we didn't, right, if we didn't know it and we just read it, we might not know that that was a hymn that is placed inside the scripture. We can then use our own reason, right, to talk about, um, you know, what it really means to us today, right? When we do that, we bring our reason and our experience to the table. I provide a unique perspective Uh, because I'm the only one who's ever lived my life. And so based off of my experiences and the way that um, I have lived and the things that I have gone through, I provide an illumined light on scripture that is different than Mm -hmm. Laura's, that is different than any of yours. It's not good or better, it's just different, 
right? We bring our minds to the table, our reason to the table, our experience to the table, and the tradition to help us understand the scripture in a different way. Um, And I think that's really helpful um, because if we were to just check our minds at the door, then we're not questioning. We're not bringing new things to light. Um, And I think that is the, the challenge, right, so often with that. Um, there's something, Laura, that we, we both said when we were talking through this earlier this week, right? It was the opposite of faith isn't doubt. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, uh, the response that we both gave for the other part of it? The opposite of faith isn't doubt. It's, it's certainty. It's certainty. Will you talk more about that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, in, in some traditions, um, I think people want to hold fast to black and white rules and thinking. Um, It's so easy to do that. But when Jesus came, Jesus said he came to abolish the law. And what that meant is the Jewish law, all the different rules and regulations that they had that they felt like that's how they knew God. Jesus said there's another way. And that when you believe you are right and you're just following the rules, just following the black and white uh, rules, you stop asking questions, you stop digging, you stop wrestling. And when you stop asking questions, your faith actually becomes stagnant. I think that's something that you said, your faith Mm. becomes stagnant. There's this idea that if you have doubt, that somehow your faith is less strong. And I wanna tell you friends, that is not true. In in my opinion, and I think in Christopher's opinion, (laughs) that is not true. We see doubt as something that can help us grow our faith, help us deepen our faith, Um, not some sort of thing that we must get rid of. Um, So yeah, the opposite of faith is certainty, because there has to be room for us to grow into the mystery of God. If we are looking at God as, um, as one very specific thing, then we have missed the divinity of God. We have missed the mystery. We have missed all the things that God is trying to, to show us through, through reason, experience, scripture, and tradition because we are so worried about being right. And I don't know about you, but when I look at the scriptures, when I look at Jesus's life, he was concerned about way more than the answers. He actually, I think, only answered like how many questions? There's this thing out right now that's traveling Facebook. Yeah. It's like Jesus always answered a question with a question. And like, I think he only answered like three total outright yeah. like declarations that were right. asked of him. He always asked people to go deeper. So, well, and we, doubt is biblical, right? There are so many um, biblical characters who doubt and question, right? You go to Abraham, right? God says, I'm going to destroy this city. And Abraham's like, okay, but like... What if there are a hundred good people down there? And God's like, fine, Abraham, right? Like if there's a hundred good people, I won't destroy the city. And then Abraham's like, what about 50? And like, fine, Abraham. Like if, if there's 50, like, what about 20? Like, <laughs> fine, Abraham. And then finally Abraham's like, what if there's one? And God's like, just go get Lot. And then I'm going to destroy the city, right? <laughs> um, and then you've got Moses standing there in front of a literal burning bush with God speaking to him, and God's like, I want you to do this, and Moses is like, you picked the wrong person. I actually have a brother far more capable, right? Like, doubting God to God's face, 
right, with a burning bush. I think if God came to me in a burning bush, I would just say, yes, sir. Right. Um, and, like, and you were the chosen forward. one. No, not me. My brother <laughs> yeah. over there. I really want you to do this. Like, okay, you got it. Um, and then, you know, you've got Doubting Thomas. You've got David. You've got Elijah. Um, you've got Jonah, who uh, is the extreme doubter in my book, right? Jonah not only says, like, uh, you have the wrong person. He also runs in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And then the entire time that he is doing what it is that God has asked him to do, he's doubting God. Mm-hmm. He's saying, God, you, you're merciful, right? right? Th- this is a waste of my time, yeah. right? You're gonna... And then up into the point of sitting on the mountaintop, Jonah is saying, okay, I know this city is saved, but like, surely you're still going to destroy this thing, right? Um, doubt is biblical. Yeah, it, and all, all through that, God is working through that doubt. Absolutely. It's not going, Jonah, you have doubt, so you are cast out. God is working with Jonah in, in this, the journey, right? Yeah. Well, somehow or another, things got twisted where doubt got put with faithlessness mm-hmm. instead of faithfulness. And so if you had doubts, if you had questions, if you were pushing against the status mm-hmm. quo, all of a sudden you just didn't have enough faith. Mm-hmm. You weren't faithful enough. And the, that challenge then that we have, especially in our United Methodist tradition, to that ideology is that you're supposed to ask questions. Mm-hmm. One of the things I used to tell my students when I was doing student ministry is um, my goal as your youth minister is not to give you all of the answers. There are faith traditions that will give you all of the answers, right? Like, oh, you're struggling with this? Here's a chapter and verse for that. Oh, this is happening? Here's a chapter and verse for that. That's not the goal of our faith tradition. Our faith tradition always, and this is what I would tell them, is my goal is to help you to ask bigger and deeper questions so that you can have a greater understanding Mm -hmm. of who God is Mm -hmm. and how God is at work in the world. The goal is not to provide answers because eventually we're going to butt up against the mystery of God. Right? We don't have all of the answers. We could pretend we have all of the answers, but we don't. Yeah. Um, what we do have as we grow in our faith and our understanding is better questions mm-hmm. that show us exactly. God in a deeper way. Yeah. And I think that's um, what I love so much about our faith yeah. tradition. I am. Um, I was while you were speaking about that, it made me think of just relationships and how um, I, I've been in the dating world, and, and when you go on a date. Um, you ask questions to get to know someone, right? Mm-hmm. If you went on a date and they did not ask you any questions about yourself, you might be like, this is weird. You, why don't you want to know about me? And, um, you know, it's same with any platonic relationships. And the questions don't stop, right? You don't, well, I know you completely now. You're never going to change. And our relationship is, it's just, it's the way it is now. We know everything about each other. That's just not true. In any relationship, you're going to continue to go to different places together and get to know each other and learn from each other and learn how you're changing on, in the way. And that's the same thing with our relationship with God. It, it keeps growing. There's questions we ask as we grow deeper in relationship with God. And it's not stagnant. It's always growing. Uh- simplified this earlier in my head this week because as we talked about like you know we just want people to you know use your mind bring your mind to the table and a lot of people have been told don't bring your mind to the table um most of you know i have a a six-year-old son his name is benjamin he'll be seven in two weeks um 
but he was doing something this week. And I just looked at him and I said, use your head. <laughs> what are you doing? Right? Like, use your mind. What, what are you thinking right now? And I think oftentimes uh, God has to be <laughs> up there going, please just use your use your head, right? Don't just take that at face value. Ask a question, right? I gave you the ability to ask questions. Please ask a question. Um, And I think the challenge always is, um, especially in conversations I've had with people who have deconstructed out of a faith tradition into this one, is, well, I didn't know I could ask questions. Because every time I asked questions before I got... Mm -hmm. I got shut down or I made people uncomfortable or I was pushing against. And so I, what, I've never been allowed to use my mind before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm comfortable. I know not everybody is. I'm comfortable not having all the answers, mm-hmm. right? I have a seven-year-old, a three-year-old, and a, and a 10-month-old. I don't know the answers to a lot of questions, mm-hmm. right? Right. <laughs> um, but I'm also comfortable going to find the answers, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes that's a journey that we have to seek through. Well, I, I think the metaphor of, you know, you as a father and your children is it's really great to, to see how our relationship with God is that sometimes we as spiritual children of faith come to our parent and ask these big, you know, three, four-year-olds, six-year-olds, ask these big existential questions, Right. And you're like, I don't know how to explain this to them. They're only six or they're only three. And I think we have that challenge with God as well, right? We come to God with these huge questions. What is the purpose of existence? Why am I here? Um, You know, at least those are some of the questions that I ask. (laughs) And I think that's when God is, is trying to explain those things to us in a way we can understand. But it's only when we come with the questions and we want to dig that I think God has that reciprocal back and forth. And if we're not doing that, we're missing a lot of divine interaction. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think the, the piece of this that we're tr- really trying to hammer home is we come to God with our whole selves. Right. right? Our whole selves, our mind, our heart our soul, we come to God with our whole selves. Mm -hmm. And if we're holding a piece of it back, if we're not interacting and engaging with our minds, then we're not bringing our whole selves to Mm -hmm. God. Um, And so when we are um, asking questions, when we're digging deeper, sometimes it can feel challenging. But what we're really doing is seeking understanding. Mm -hmm. And so I like the way that you kind of put that into perspective Mm -hmm. of when we're seeking understanding, we're not always going to have immediate knowledge of mm-hmm. the understanding, right? I, I could start digging into string theory today. I could spend the rest of my life on string theory. I will never fully understand it, right? Um, and that's something that we are comfortable with when we talk about science a lot, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, well, we don't know the answer to that yet. We're going to build off the knowledge that was started by people 100 years ago, We're going to keep building on that knowledge until we have an understanding that is deeper than what was before. And that's what we do with tradition, right? We are building on the understanding Mm. of theologians and scholars for hundreds of years seeking a newer, deeper understanding. Mm. Um, And yet a lot of times we're just not comfortable with that. Mm. But we have to bring our whole, full selves. Yeah. Um, There was a quote we looked at. I think this one's from Moore. Um, doubt isn't the opposite of faith, it's an element of faith. That it's, it's part of faith and that um, 
if we don't leave room for the Spirit to give us knowledge and to be in relationship with us, um, are, we, are we leaving room for God? Um, I, and this is one of the things I put in my notes. How arrogant of us to believe that we know everything about God. We can't. Divine mystery. I had an experience, um, uh, I guess it was during the pandemic, where I got real existential one night, and um, I was just asking these big questions, and I was getting kind of upset at God because I wanted to know. I, you know, I'm becoming a pastor. Like, I, I wanted more divine knowledge, and I was... Um, I was kind of begging for it in many ways. Like, God, help me understand these mysteries of life. And, and there was a very specific answer. You're not meant to know everything. Hmm. Here's what I have for you right now. Let's build on this one day. But that was really hard for me to receive, that, that the mystery, the divine mystery is so vast and that we are in the very beginning stages of understanding who God is. All right. Closing thoughts. As if you didn't just mic drop a closing thought. (laughs) One of the things we wrote is, you know, that sometimes people think if you doubt or if you question you're not a real Christian, you know. um, I've been called an atheist for doubting and having questions. And uh, I guess my final thought would be, please don't ever feel like um, you're sinning by questioning because you're leaving room for new knowledge to come. Yeah. I think I'll, I'll tie into that as well, which is back to where we started. Each of us brings a unique viewpoint based off our life experiences. And every time we come to Scripture, we come to it in a new way because every time... We come to it, we come to it with new life experience. Um, and so the, as new people come into our community, we are offered fresh expressions and fresh viewpoints, and it can be so powerful to our understanding of who God is and how God is at work in the world. Um, as always, we want to continue the conversation. So if you want to talk more afterwards, um, Laura and I will be around. Um, if you want to send us an email or if you want to go out for coffee, um, we are always willing um, to talk theology with you. Um, so let's continue the conversation.